This episode is sponsored by Anchor, the official host of Wellness and Wanderlust. Anchor is the easiest way to create your dream podcast. With Anchor, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other popular podcast apps. You can even make money from your podcast using Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop shop with everything you need to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Wellness and Wanderlust, and thank you so much for joining us today for another really exciting episode of the show. Today's topic is one that, as a travel blogger, I'm ashamed to say I actually didn't know a whole lot about before I met our guest, but we are going to be diving into travel hacking, and we have a really incredible expert here to share her tips with you. So our guest for today is Julia Menez, who is a travel hacking coach, and she is the host of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. In this episode, Julia and I talk about how we can leverage our credit card points and loyalty programs to score free travel, and who doesn't want to travel in 2021 when this vaccine is out. I'm sure we are all just itching to get out and enjoy a really nice trip this year. A lot of people outside of the finance community haven't heard of travel hacking, but I think a lot of us are familiar with the whole idea of playing the points game as far as our credit cards are concerned. And once I shared with friends and listeners of the show that we were going to be talking about this topic today, so many of you were excited to learn more. As I said, I think so many of us are just dying to plan our next trip. And Julia shares so many incredible tips to help us get started, especially right now during a pandemic. It's the perfect time to start planning and really setting our strategy for when it is safe to travel again. Now, a lot of you have questions about how playing the credit card game can affect your credit score. Julia does a beautiful job of explaining how your credit score is computed in the first place and how we can travel hack responsibly based on our own needs, our own situations. I think it can be so tempting to open every single credit card with a great points program right away, but really strategizing and knowing what's going to be right for us. And if travel hacking is maybe not for you at this time in your life. And so I think she does an incredible job of explaining all of that. And she shares her own travel hacking adventures as well. And we learn what country had the best breakfast options as a breakfast lover. I was especially excited to hear about that. I think I have so many different places I need to add to my travel bucket list after our conversation, but I am excited for you all to hear today's conversation and learn more about the art of travel hacking and how we can really make the most of it in 2021 and beyond. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, Julia, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Yes, thank you for being here. Now, why don't you tell our listeners a little about yourself? 
Sure. So my name is Julia Menez, and I am a travel hacking coach. I help people to travel the world for free using points and miles. And I am also the host of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, where we interview travel hackers from all walks of life about their miles and points strategies. Because I'm sure if any of your listeners are already familiar with the world of points and miles, they've probably noticed that almost everybody who talks about it online with a large audience is male and probably Caucasian. And there are actually so many travel hackers from all different groups, women, people of color, immigrants. And so the podcast just helps to highlight a lot of those stories that you might not see in larger travel hacking media. That's amazing. And before we really dive in, I always love to know what inspired the name GeoBreeze Travel? Sure. So before this was a travel hacking service, Uh, It was actually a travel agent service. So I just did the traditional thing of booking people cruises or flights to Disney World or something like that. And my sister actually came up with it just as a way to say, oh, it makes traveling the world easy between it's a breeze to travel and geo meaning earth. So that's how the name geo breeze came about originally. I love that. And it sounds like it's really relevant for what you're doing today. Now, you alluded to this, but can you tell our listeners exactly what travel hacking means and how you got into the world of travel hacking? Sure. So travel hacking is simply the art of getting free travel by leveraging the loyalty programs set by airlines, hotels, credit cards, and some other programs as well. And I originally heard about travel hacking through some different fire blogs, like Financial Independence Retire Early. And they were talking about all of these different hacks that they do, whether it's tax hacks or investment things or budgeting hacks or something like that. And then I started hearing about digital nomads who were traveling the world for free using credit card points. And my first reaction was very similar to the reaction that a lot of people have when they first hear about this, which is it's probably a scam because it has the words credit cards and hacking in the same title. But then started doing a little bit more research, started looking into, okay, how exactly do we do this? What cards are the best ones to get? How many can you really get in a given year without getting in trouble and to keep this hobby sustainable? So once we had gotten a couple of cards, we actually had a trip to Morocco planned and we didn't pay for it with points and miles. We actually just spent the normal amount on it to get our minimum spends on the card But then 20 hours before we were going to board our flight to Morocco, our tour guide had to cancel everything on me, everything except for the flight. So once we got on the ground, he was going to handle hotels, transportation, excursion, pretty much everything else. And he had a family emergency and he was a one man operation. So we didn't really have any other options at that point. So I had 20 hours to scramble and figure out how to get a hotel for when we landed in Morocco. Thankfully, we had just gotten a sign-up bonus on my American Express SPG card, which isn't around anymore because they merged with Marriott. But I had just gotten the sign-up bonus, called American Express and said, hey, I have these points. What do I do with them? I need a hotel right away. And they said, oh, yes, that's what the points are for. Here's a free night free five nights really at the Casablanca Sheraton and enjoy. And that was 
the first time I had ever gotten to redeem points and miles. And once we got there, they said, oh, thank you for your loyalty with the SPG membership card. Here's a free upgrade. You get to have access to our club lounge, which had amazing French pastries and Moroccan treats and everything. So basically free breakfast. And from there, I was hooked. I don't blame you. That sounds absolutely incredible. And since then, you know, I'm sure you've gone on some amazing trips. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you've been able to use travel hacking since then? Sure. So this year, right before the pandemic, we went to Ecuador. We got free flights using some JetBlue credits. We got our upgraded seats there. We've gone to Malaysia and Singapore. We stayed at the Double Tree in Kuala Lumpur, which honestly has the best hotel breakfast I've ever experienced in any hotel. And it comes free with the Hilton Ascent credit card because you get automatic gold status with that credit card. So you get free breakfast at Hilton Hotels. And this place had, I think, five different stations. One was American breakfast. One was Malaysian breakfast. One was just Pan-Asian breakfast and European style stuff, some Indian breakfast. It was incredible. And it was probably going to be $40 or so a person per day if we wanted to pay to eat in this breakfast buffet. And my husband just kept asking, you're sure it's free? You're sure it's free? Like, we don't have to pay this because this is going to come out to be a lot of money if we actually have to pay for this breakfast later. So we were able to use our travel hacks there. We also got that hotel for free. We went to Denmark and were able to get a really amazing upgrade for free because I had platinum status with the IHG program, which normally manages Holiday Inn and Intercontinental. This one was a Crown Plaza in Denmark. They upgraded us to the top floor. It was a suite. It was probably bigger than my apartment in New Jersey. And they gave us a welcome note and a plate of these Danish pastries, which was a lifesaver because we couldn't figure out how to get food the first night. So we just had pastries for dinner and oh, they were amazing. So that's just a few of the places that we've gotten to travel to using different travel hacks. We have one that's currently on the books. We have a business class flight to Madrid, Spain booked, but we have to keep pushing it back because of COVID. And they had a sale for how to redeem your points and miles on Iberia Airlines. And so with the points that it would take with just one credit card sign up, my husband and I were able to get two round trip tickets in business class to Madrid. And we are still waiting to take those. Hopefully it happens at the end of May, which is when it's currently slated for. Wow. I think everyone listening, probably myself included, is thinking, you know, how can I get started on this? Because this sounds truly incredible. Can you tell us who travel hacking is really for? Yes. So travel hacking is for people who already have good habits around their credit cards. And from there, you're good to go. As long as you know how to use your credit cards or you're willing to learn and you're not carrying a whole bunch of debt. It might be easier to say who travel hacking is not for. Travel hacking is not for you if you're currently carrying a balance on your credit card from one month to the next because then you're paying interest on that balance. And if you're doing that with the travel hacking credit cards, you are going to pay so much in interest because these credit cards carry really high interest rates and that's how the credit card companies can afford to give out such lucrative travel benefits to anybody who has these cards. So if you are in a place where you can pay off your entire balance statement in full every month, travel hacking is for you. And there's 
a lot of different ways to learn how to get into travel hacking, to learn what cards to get first, how to do your planning. But the most important piece is to make sure you are in a place to be able to pay off your credit card every month in full. I think that's so important to note because, you know, working in a financial institution, we see a lot of people struggling with their credit. And, you know, while travel hacking may seem tempting for them right now, it may just not be the right time. For those who are ready to begin, you know, really up level what they're doing currently, we may have, you know, a small points card, but nothing too exciting. What can those new to travel hacking do to really get started? So I always say the single best travel hack is to make friends who can show you even more travel hacks. So start with joining a community. Just start with following people on Instagram who really talk about travel hacking and really want to help you with getting into the game and doing this sustainably and responsibly. So my Instagram is at Travel, And every Friday I do follow Fridays with some different travel hacking accounts that I think are really good for people to follow. I feature a lot of travel hackers on the GeoBreeze Travel podcast. And additionally, I host different hangouts for people to sign up for so that we can all just meet and jump on a video call and trade tips with each other. And it's also just fun to meet other people in the community because as I'm sure a lot of people who get into this know, it's just a weird topic to talk about with people who aren't into it, where you're like, oh yes, I now have 16 credit cards Mm -hmm. and I went to Barcelona for free and you can do it too. Here, I set up a whole webpage for you. And most people just like at work or family functions or friends who aren't into travel hacking at all will look at you like you've absolutely lost your mind at that point. So it's just nice to be able to join these different hangouts and make friends in the community who are also into the same hobby. So that's where I would start is start by making friends who can tell you what they do with travel hacking. And that'll provide a lot of inspiration as well for you to figure out what do you want to use travel hacking for? And is there any particular trip that you want to travel hack? That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, as someone who is very new to the idea of travel hacking, I know I hear 16 credit cards and that definitely sounds really interesting, but definitely a little overwhelming as well. For those who are just getting into travel hacking, how can you really stay organized with the cards that you have tracking the points? And, you know, what can we do to really, you know, start off on the right foot and really, you know, not get too overwhelmed? That's such a good question because as somebody is thinking to themselves, okay, I want to get into this hobby and they just start Googling, what is the best credit card for me? You are going to find about 30 different options and it's really hard to figure out which one is right at first. So I would recommend start by putting together your travel hacking vision and get really specific on what is the first trip that you want to get for free and think through what exact area of a city do you want to stay in? What type of hotel do you want? What type of year do you want to go? Who all are you traveling with? Is it a solo trip, couples trip, family trip, girls trip, something like that? And the more specific you can get, the easier it is to work backwards to say, okay, I want to fly from New York to London uh, during August. And here are the different airlines that even do that route these days. Here are the points programs that can transfer into those airlines, and here are the credit cards that can get me those types of points. Same with hotels. If you're thinking to yourself, okay, I want to take a trip into Manhattan. I want to stay near the Broadway area. I want to go shopping near Fifth Avenue. I'd really like a hotel that has a view of the Empire State Building. Then you can work backwards from there and say, what hotels 
are in the area that have this criteria? How many points would it cost for a night there? What credit cards give me those points easily so that I can get a free stay at this hotel? So having a really clear vision of where you want to go is really going to help you stay organized so that you're not just grabbing 20 different cards and then suddenly none of them transfer to each other and it's harder to bank them up to get those bigger rewards. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, so you touched on this. What should those aspiring travel hackers really look for in a credit card program? Sure. So when people are first starting out, there is a rule from Chase called the 5 over 24 rule, which says if you've already opened five or more credit cards in the last 24 months, Chase is just going to flat out reject your application. So normally it's best to start off with the Chase cards, get very familiar with their program before moving on to American Express or City or something else like that, because it also helps to keep you from getting overwhelmed if you're only focusing on, okay, how do the Chase cards work? And how can I transfer stuff from the Chase Freedom Flex to the Chase Sapphire Preferred? And then how do I use the Chase portal to book rewards or what transfer partners can I even get? Okay, I can stay with Hyatt through Chase or I can transfer to Southwest Airlines or I can transfer to United. So just knowing one points program and staying focused that way helps as well. And the most commonly recommended card for beginners is the Chase Sapphire Preferred, just because it has a lower annual fee. It's about $95 per year. You get a pretty big signup bonus, and it's one of the gateway cards for you to be able to transfer to other airlines and hotels. And then from there, you can branch off and say, okay, what can I pair this with? There's the Chase Freedom Flex, which has no annual fee. You get different points bonuses with quarterly special categories there. So those are some of the first things to start off with as you're researching credit cards. Look into what is the annual fee? What is the sign-up bonus? What special categories would I be able to get bonus points in? Because some cards will do very well for you if you spend a lot of money on restaurants or groceries, or gas. But if you're like me, and you don't even have a car because you live really close to New York City, maybe targeting one of those credit cards that give you a lot of bonus points for all of the money you spend at gas stations isn't going to be that useful because I never go to gas stations. So those are the, a few of the things that you can weigh against each other when trying to figure out what credit card to get, and mostly which ones will help you to achieve your travel hacking vision the fastest. That definitely makes sense. And I think you know, thinking of it in those terms actually kind of keeps you more organized with your own finances as well and allows you to kind of evaluate and adjust there. You mentioned annual fees. And I know working in a financial institution, again, we work with a lot of people with maybe more challenged credit. And oftentimes we're suggesting don't go for the annual fee card. But in some cases with these points cards, it may be worth it. So can you talk us through that a little bit as well? Yes. So the most important thing about the annual fee is not necessarily to use rules of thumb of never get an annual fee card because credit card fees are bad. The most important thing with annual fees on credit cards is to be able to justify keeping the card open if you have to pay the annual fee. So for example, a lot of the hotel credit cards like the World of Hyatt card, the Marriott Bonvoy cards, the IHG cards, the Hilton cards, they'll come with a fee of maybe $95 per year, but a lot of those credit cards will also come with a free hotel night upon card anniversary if you renew each year. So as long as you can get one hotel stay in with that hotel chain within the next year, and that hotel room would have been at least $95, then you've justified the annual fee. 
It gets more complex with some of the premium credit cards. For example, I have an American Express Platinum card. The fee on that one is $550 a year, which seems really high to people, especially when you're first starting out with this hobby. And every year I try to justify it by saying, okay, what do I get out of this card? I get $200 of airline incidental credits. I get $200 of Uber credits, which can also be used on Uber Eats now that I'm not using Uber as much. I get $100 of shopping credits at Saks Fifth Avenue. And this year they offered a lot of different retention bonuses and a lot of, I'd say, stay-at-home bonuses since people couldn't use the lounge access very much, which is another benefit of the American Express Platinum. So this year they gave you $20 a month towards your cell phone bill or $20 a month towards streaming services. They gave out a free membership to the Calm Meditation app, which is worth $100 a year. They gave out free subscriptions to Blinkist, which is also $100 a year, and that lets you go through audiobooks really quickly. And they gave out $100 of credit to Dell, so I got a free smartwatch out of that. So it's just really important to be able to justify the annual fee, especially when you're deciding each year, do I want to keep a card open or do I want to close it down because it's not serving me anymore? That definitely makes sense. It sounds like a lot of these cards do pay for themselves if you're going to take advantage of the rewards and, you know, benefits that they're offering. You know, the streaming and the Uber Eats, I think for me probably would have paid for itself in the pandemic. So I definitely see where there's value there. Now, can you talk to me a little bit, you know, one of the biggest questions that I got when I shared with listeners was about credit, opening up a lot of different credit cards. Can you talk to us about how travel hacking can affect your credit? What are some of the misconceptions around that as well? Sure. So one of the biggest myths is that if you are opening a whole bunch of credit cards, it is going to destroy your credit score. But that is not true as long as you do this in a responsible and sustainable way. If you follow the guidelines, then your credit score will actually really increase. Mine hovers around 800 most of the time. The last time I checked, it was 815. So the different impacts that travel hacking would have on your credit score, the most important piece is your payment history, which is going to be 35% of your score. And for this one, it's really important that as soon as you get one of your new credit cards in the mail, you set up automatic payments to be paid in full every month. That way you avoid ever having interest due on your credit card and your payment history is going to be excellent because it's always just automatically paid on time every month. The second piece is utilization, which is calculated as how much of your credit did you use divided by how much total credit across all of your credit cards was available to you. And travel hacking actually really helps when it comes to utilization because as long as you can keep the numerator around the same place, even when you're getting all of these new credit cards, you're spending about the same month to month. The denominator or how much total credit is available to you is going to go way up because you're opening new credit cards. So that way, the amount that you're spending each month stays the same. The amount of credit available to you goes up. Your utilization is going down. And so your credit score is going up from there as well. It's also important to keep in mind average age of credit, which has a medium impact on your credit score. So with this one, it's just really important to keep your oldest credit card open forever. This is probably some useless credit card that has no annual fee and no useful benefits, but you still want to keep it open and you want to make sure to charge a piece of candy to it or something every few months 
just so that it doesn't get shut down due to inactivity because you don't want to just obsess over all of your new shiny cards, forget about your oldest one, and then suddenly it gets shut down because that would be really bad for your average age of credit, which you want to keep as long as possible, even as you're opening a lot of new cards. There's also a couple of low impact pieces to your credit score, such as the number of accounts that you have open and new accounts that are triggering hard inquiries. These kind of work against each other because it's better for your credit score if you have more accounts open, but it's bad for your credit score if you are opening new accounts for the first time period where they're looking at your hard inquiries. Well, it's really hard to get more accounts open if you're not opening new accounts. So those just kind of cancel each other out. And then as long as you are doing the big ticket items like keeping your utilization down and having automatic payments each month, your credit score is going to super boost and you'll also be much more in line financially with understanding how your credit works, understanding how your budgeting works, understanding your expenses. So it's really good for your credit score and your overall financial picture that way. That makes a lot of sense, especially as far as the utilization goes, because you could spend the same amount, but you don't look tapped out completely. You you don't appear to be overextended the way you might with less credit available to you, even if you're paying it off in full every month. So I do think that's really important. Now, for those listening here who are not ready to start travel hacking yet, they still have some work to do with their credit What advice do you have to really prepare so that they eventually can get into travel hacking and just overall improve their credit? Yeah, so there's a fun little hack. If you check your credit score on Credit Karma, it will also tell you with the current credit cards you already have, what day of the month is that credit reported to the credit bureau? So let's say it gets reported every 16th of the month for one of your credit cards. Now you know the 16th of next month, a few days before that, pay off that entire credit card in full except for $1 because you don't want a weird divide by zero error or anything like that. So pay off the entire credit card except for $1. So then when it gets reported to the credit bureaus on the 16th, they're going to say, oh, what's your utilization on this card? $1 out of $5,000 credit limit or something like that. You have awesome utilization. And so that piece of your credit score is going to go way up because As far as the credit bureaus are concerned, you're only using a tiny piece of the credit available to you. So that's a quick way to get your credit score up. You can check that on creditkarma.com. But otherwise, just getting into the habit of paying off your statement balance in full every month and setting that up automatically, not having to log in every Friday to make sure that you remember to pay off your balance because that just takes a ton of time from anybody. And instead, focusing your energy on mentally doing the math of, okay, if I were to buy this thing right now and I have to pay it off in 30 days or less, am I going to be okay with that if I just say I can't carry a balance on this item? So getting into that mindset, getting into that habit, and also if you want a quick hack, checking when your stuff is sent to the credit bureaus through Credit Karma, paying off everything except for a dollar right before it goes to get reported. I love that. And I have to say, working in a credit union, I had no idea about that hack, but that makes so much sense and something I'm definitely going to recommend to those really trying to rebuild their credit or paying things off. That makes a lot of sense. So thank you for that. Now we're in a time right now where travel is at a lot more of a standstill. So how has travel hacking changed during the pandemic and how can listeners still take advantage of travel hacking right now when we can't really travel? 
Yeah, so when the pandemic originally hit, there was a lot of speculation of, is this the end of travel hacking? Are we not going to be able to get points and miles anymore? Are all of these credit card offers just going to get shut down? And that wasn't the case at all. I mean, with a lot of the bigger bloggers, the credit card companies actually shut off affiliate links for a while, so they made no money. So that was very difficult on people who talk about this online. But as far as regular day-to-day consumers, the credit card companies have actually been scrambling to retain people and to get new people in the door because a lot of people have just had the thought of, well, I'm not traveling, I should close down my travel credit cards. And so we've seen a lot of offers this year as far as retention offers. Whenever you have a credit card annual fee coming due, just call the credit card company and say, hey, my annual fee is coming due. I'm trying to figure out if I want to keep this card open. Do you have something available for retention offers to keep people in the credit card system? And they've offered me points. They've offered to waive some annual fees before. So it's always a good idea to negotiate your annual fee just in case they have something ready to go for you. We've also seen a lot of increased offers. The Chase Sapphire Preferred for a few months had an 80,000 point bonus instead of a 60,000 point bonus. This year for 2021, Hyatt is making it so easy to get explorist and globalist status. One of the things was if you had applied for a credit card within a certain window, then you got automatic elite nights and you only had to stay three nights or 10 nights or something like that in order to get middle tier or top tier status, where normally it would be you have to stay 60 nights within a year. So both on the credit card side and on the hotel side, we are seeing unprecedented offers that are amazing. And if you're saying, okay, but I still am not comfortable going to stay even three nights at a Hyatt, it's Mm -hmm. still such a good time to just bank up all of your points. Like I mentioned, we're seeing some really high sign-up offers right now as far as bonus points go. And then once everything opens back up, you'll have a huge points bank to be able to redeem to get free travel. And it's just a really good time to learn everything too, because all of the expert travel hackers on the internet, we're not traveling right now. So you can just ask us all of these questions and we just have all of this burning knowledge where we want to talk about travel hacking, even though we can't do our normal thing of traveling the world, posting pictures, writing blogs, or doing anything else. We still want to talk to people about it. So it's a really good time to pick the brain of anybody who is a travel hacking content creator that you've been wanting to ask a whole bunch of questions to. That makes so much sense. And I think especially, you know, banking your points right now is really going to be effective. I know that, you know, our travel spending is down, but consumer spending is up on, you know, household items and things like that. You know, we all joke about the Amazon purchases that are showing up at our homes every single day. So using that spending in a positive way to save for that trip that we are all going to want to take when this is completely over and safe. So I think that really is great advice. And so for you as a travel hacking coach, how do you help prospective travel hackers score free travel? Sure. So what I do is I prepare a 12-month travel hacking strategy plan for anybody who is looking to get into the game They want, or they want to learn how to use points they've already banked up. Maybe they had a business or something. They were putting all of their business expenses on a travel hacking credit card and they say, okay, I don't actually know how to use any of these chase points. Can you help me with that? So I've helped clients with that. I've helped people 
to say, okay, you want to go to France whenever all of this opens up. Here are the different airlines that you can fly to France from, from your home airport. Here's the credit cards that will be most helpful to you. So really, it's just helping people to get organized because as somebody first starts into this hobby, it can be so confusing and you can easily go down so many rabbit holes of trying to do your research and figure out, okay, what car is right for me? I only have like five slots in 24 months. I want to make sure that I'm grabbing the correct card and that I can optimize this as best as possible. How do I do that? That's where a travel hacking coach really, really comes in handy is to just do all of that research for you and give you an easy step-by-step guide to figure out which cards and what plan is the best for you. That sounds incredibly helpful, especially as someone just starting to do my research a little bit. You know, there's so much terminology that's brand new to me, even as far as, you know, manufactured spend and all these new, you know, all this new verbiage that you're starting to get the hang of and figuring out what card would you use when, you know, how can I really strategize this and what is even right for me? So I think having a coach to help you through that is such an important resource to have. So I think that's amazing what you're doing. Yeah. You mentioned manufacturer spend. And one of the main things that we tell people is you have to get those sign-up bonuses when you first get a card, because that's where the majority of your points are going to come from is that 60,000 bonus points if you spend at least $3,000 in the first three months. But we don't want people to just buy $3,000 of things that they didn't need and didn't want just to be able to get these points. So we talk through different strategies on how they can get that $3,000 spend without completely blowing their budget. Sometimes it comes down to manufactured spend, but sometimes it's easier than that if you just time your signups correctly right before a big purchase, like a kitchen remodel or right before holiday shopping. Or if you have a wedding you're planning, you should definitely put all of your wedding expenses on travel hacking credit cards so you can get your honeymoon for free. Or other strategies like next time you go out with a bunch of friends, just put the entire dinner bill on your credit card and have everybody Venmo you back so it's easier to meet that minimum spending requirement to get your bonus. So we talk through different strategies like that as well in the coaching sessions. And now for those listening who don't know what manufactured spend is, would you mind explaining to them what that is? Sure. So manufactured spending is just a way of generating points without actually spending your own money. So traditionally, you would get points by, let's say, oh, I went shopping at Macy's, I bought some clothes, I got points for spending money on the clothes. Well, manufacturer spending is a way to get that money back into your bank account, but still get the points earned from technically spending that money. So there's different ways to do this. Some people do some things with money orders where they buy a whole bunch of gift cards, turn those gift cards into money orders, deposit those money orders back into their bank accounts. It's not illegal, but it is risky. I have some people on my podcast who are like, and then the police showed up. So (laughs) that's not the first thing you should do. Some people are like, oh, manufactured spending is the easy route to go. It's It's actually much harder and much more nuanced than anybody on the internet makes it sound. So I don't recommend that, especially for people first starting out. Uh, Other ways that people can kind of manufacture spend, you can buy things on your credit card and then resell them on eBay or Facebook Marketplace or something like that. That's a little bit safer. I use this lending site called kiva.com. And what you do is you loan money with your credit card out to small businesses who are struggling and who need a loan. And then they'll pay you back through PayPal 
a few months from now, depending on the terms of the loan, maybe six months from now, eight months from now, 12 months from now, or something like that. So I recommend trying out Kiva well before you try messing with gift cards and money orders, because one, you're helping small business owners who could really use a loan during this time. And it's, you're not going to have police show up at your door for doing something like this. So those are some different ways that you can manufacture spend. That's what I was wondering, because when I hear about some of the manufactured spend, you know, strategies, I think about what we learn in the credit union about, you know, anti-money laundering. And so definitely borders a little bit on if you if you don't do it the right way, it can certainly be risky. So I think that's great advice. I hadn't heard of that Kiva.com, but I think that's really such an impactful way to support small businesses right now too. So that's awesome. So now that we've learned a little bit about travel hacking and what you do and how our listeners can score some free travel, I would love to dive into some rapid fire questions with you. Now, first of all, what is your top wellness tip? My top wellness tip is to make sure you are sleeping enough. I know it sounds weird because we're all at home all the time and people are like, oh, how am I not sleeping enough? But everyone is staring at their phones so Mm. much. I started this thing called, oh, I'm kind of grampy today, which is when you start getting grumpy just because you've been staring at Instagram all day and the blue light is messing with your eyes. It's hard to fall asleep because you have all of these racing thoughts. So just turn your phone off at some point, maybe have a setting on it where it switches to night mode and goes to grayscale at a particular time of day and make sure you are getting enough sleep. That is such good advice and something that I need to be following right now myself. I can definitely be a victim to the blue light. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? So my favorite travel destination I've ever been to has been Singapore because for me, it is just the perfect combination of being logistically well organized and also having just the right amount of like adventurous food and different combinations of culture. The food is so good in Singapore with the hawker stalls and it's really affordable too. I love how you can go from a really nice fancy hotel in Singapore to the hawker stalls and then get a $2 bowl of noodles and everything is so clean. The airport is amazing. They they just give out free samples of luxury everything at Singapore Airport. I sampled $300 cognac. They gave me just a free Dior facial. I went to the Dior counter and they're like, oh, here's some really expensive face cream. I went to La Prairie too and they're like, oh, here's caviar face cream. It goes for $1,600 a bottle or something like that. I'm like, oh my God, she just she put it on my face. And yeah, Singapore. It's amazing, especially the airport. I need to add that to my list for sure. And, you know, the logistically well-organized part. I know that on your podcast, you mentioned that you're an ENTJ. I'm an INTJ. And so that order, I mean, that is my dream when I'm traveling and being in a clean city like that. That, But the, the luxury at the airport sounds truly amazing after a long flight or as you're getting ready for a long flight. Absolutely. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I feel like I would be some kind of bear because I tend to switch back and forth between being, I would say, kind of scary and into like power mode of we have to get it done. We have to like knock down everything in order to like accomplish some goal that I'm working towards or especially being very protective of like 
I don't have children, but bears are very protective of their babies. And so if I have to protect like a team member or a project or something like that, then or friends, then I can go into some kind of scary mode. But also bears have this other mode of just eating a lot and then hibernating <laughs> and being like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just yeah, winter is here. I'm not moving for three months. I'm just going to sleep. And I definitely have those days as well. So that's the kind of animal that I would be. I can 100% relate to that. Now, what is your number one favorite show to binge? I really, really have been getting into Shark Tank lately for some reason. I just love watching people do business presentations and be able to have really insightful conversations about what makes their businesses work, especially as somebody who's doing my startup with travel hacking coaching. And they're talking about like, okay, well, what does it cost you to get a customer or what's your cost of goods sold on this? And what's your marketing strategy and all of that. And you know that the conversations are not staged because the investors have to invest their real money. So they're asking real questions. It's not like something like The Bachelorette or something where, oh, we have to manufacture the feelings of love with people who may or may not ever get married in real life. I'm like, no, these are people giving their real money to these real businesses. So I really like Shark Tank. That is awesome. And then on a similar note, what is your favorite social distancing activity? So podcasting, probably. I know we are all so lonely these days without getting to travel. We don't get to see our friends. A lot of us haven't been able to see our families in way longer than should be considered reasonable just because of the travel restrictions. And so as I've started getting into podcasting, it's just a way for me to be able to speak with people about travel hacking mostly and just be able to connect with people who I've never met before, even though I feel like we're so close on the internet. A lot of the times before I started podcasting, which has only been a few months now, I would ask people, hey, do you want to like jump on a phone call or like do a Zoom meeting and chat or something? And people are like, no, I'm kind of Zoomed out. That's kind of weird. I'm like, okay, well, what if I record the conversation and then release it to the internet? And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. I, I'm in. So um, it's kind of been an excuse for me to be able to chat with more people just like this, but I love podcasting. It's so much fun. I feel the same way. I know you started, you know, toward the end of 2020. I started in September 2020 and I have loved the conversations I've gotten to have. They're conversations I've wanted to have anyway, but now everybody gets to hear them. And so I am finding podcasting to be such a really fantastic way to get to connect with listeners, but also just with the community. So I think that's fantastic. And I'm going to add in one more rapid fire question that came in from one of our listeners who asked, what are some underrated travel destinations that you've experienced? I really like Estonia, which no one ever talks about, but they accept euros. So you don't have to go through the weird currency exchange things. Most of the people in Tallinn speak English, which makes things really easy. Also, I don't know if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, but the High Valyrian language is kind of based off of Estonian. So it just kind of sounds like Game of Thrones, which is, I just think, really cool. It's so picturesque. You have medieval castles all over Tallinn right next to modern coffee shops, which is awesome for pictures and also just really cool to get to experience as you're walking around. The people are so nice and the food is really good. Everything is really affordable, especially if you go outside of the tourist center a little bit and mostly into like the large train stations. 
that's where you will find really good food courts and oh, they have everything, mostly just cheesy bread. <laughs> they have a lot of really good cheesy bread. I don't know the names of any of these Estonian foods that I really should know, but a lot of just, I'm going to call them Estonian hot pockets. Meat, <laughs> cheese, vegetables wrapped in really good bread. They have awesome chocolate. They have a liqueur called Vanatalin, which tastes kind of like Bailey's. And I highly recommend all of those things. So my favorite underrated travel destination is Estonia for sure. I'm going to need to check that out. Um, if only for the cheese bread and of course the castles. I love anything to do with castles. So that is definitely going to be added to my list as well. Thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you, connect, learn more about you? Of course. So I'm mostly on Instagram. My handle is GeoBreeze Travel. You can also find me online at GeoBreezeTravel.com. Please sign up for the newsletter because we do different off-air hangouts where we can all just jump onto a video call and trade the secret tips that maybe you don't get to hear about on the big blogs when it comes to how to earn points and miles. And it's also just nice to be able to meet other people from the community that way as, as well. I have a podcast called the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast where I feature different travel hackers from all walks of life and they all have fascinating stories. One lady used points and miles to go adopt her son in the Philippines. Another guy is able to get tax write-offs using travel hacks. One girl can stack like six points programs at the same time so that with one transaction, she earns points with six different places. So we have fascinating stories on the podcast. Please go check that out as well. That is amazing. And thank you again for joining us and for sharing your story with us today. Of course, this was such a fun conversation. Thank you for having me. That was Julia Menez from GeoBreeze Travel. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am so ready to book a trip to Estonia after today's conversation. I had no idea that was on my bucket list, but it certainly is now, especially after thinking of the Estonian Hot Pockets that she talked about. I absolutely love Julia's approach when it comes to travel hacking and how she really focuses on making sure you have your financial house in order before you really start to make any big moves. I work for a credit union, so I fully support that process. And I actually had no idea about the Credit Karma hack that she talked about. So I will definitely be recommending that to anyone I know who is in the process of trying to build or even rebuild their credit score. Now, as Julia mentioned, she has her own travel podcast called GeoBreeze Travel, where she talks to other travel hackers from different walks of life all about their experiences in travel hacking and their tips for making it a success as well. So I highly, highly encourage you to give her show a listen and be sure to subscribe. Now, if you enjoyed this episode of Wellness and Wanderlust, please rate and review the show on whatever app you're listening on. It really helps other people find the show and share it with a friend. Subscribe to keep up with new episodes. And if you have a topic in mind that you would like to see, my inbox is always open. Please email me, Valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net. Or as always, I'm at Wellness and Wanderlust blog on Instagram. You're welcome to slide into my DMs. I'd love to hear from you. And I hope you'll come back next week. I will see you then.